We are going to continue on in this series that we started two weeks ago, and we're calling it Relationship Goals. And what we're trying to do, or what I'm trying to do as we walk through this, is how do we walk through relationships and, and point ourselves back back to like a biblical worldview or, or walk in a way that's honoring to God? And so the first week we looked at this idea of what, what is love? Because I think the culture tells us, here's what love looks like, and so we kind of have this definition, but then it seems like God's word has a different definition of love. And so we walk through and you can go back and listen to that of what really love is. And God is love. He is what the essence of love is. And so that's what he is and can only be that. And we need to love people like God loves us. And then last week, we looked at this idea of baggage. And, and a lot of us walk into relationships with different baggage. We have different stories. We have different experiences. We have different things that have happened in life. And so one of the best things that we can do before we enter into a relationship is begin to deal with that baggage. But it doesn't mean once you're in the relationship, your baggage magically goes away. Or if you didn't process it, it's too late for you. Uh, baggage is something you still need to process even if you haven't and are in a relationship. So you can also listen to that. But today, we're gonna venture in to dating and you might sit there if you're like, well, I'm married, I don't need to listen to this. Um, I hear it a lot and I don't do the best at this, but dating is something you should always continue to do even when you get married. Dating should be something that uh, is a part of your love life. And so you may sit there and you're like, well, I'm married, I don't need to listen. Um, but I think even what we have to talk about today will even apply to your marriage as well, and so uh, as we begin, I want to tell you a story about my first kiss. And so, my first kiss, um, and tell you a little bit about that. Um, not to make Shannon feel weird, but it wasn't Shannon. Um, so, <laughs> I know you might be shocked, but yeah. So, hey, you know it is what it is. But so, the scene is: I'm in fifth grade. Okay, fifth grade. Um, we had a friend that lived up the street from where we lived, and she was somebody that we hung out with, and this, I did not kiss this girl we hung out with. Um, she was just somebody that was like a neighborhood friend. We did everything together, me, my brother, uh, and her, and so we would um, play basketball, we'd play football, all these different things, and so there was a uh, house next to hers, her neighbors, that had a group um, I swear there was like seven in their family. I don't even know how many exactly were in their family, but they lived next door and I thought the girl was kind of cute, um, but she was a little younger than me. Um, and so it was just always that thing that I was like, well, and I'm also in fifth grade. So like, what do I know in fifth grade? But um, I was like, well, she's kind of cute. So I kind of somehow got flooded out there, whether it was through my brother, because it typically was my brother that when he heard I liked somebody, he would either go just immediately tell them or just like really loudly kind of flaunt that I liked this person. And so um, somehow she knew, she knew that I liked her. And so how it works when you're younger, at least how it works for me is that, um, and at that time I didn't have a phone, phones weren't really like super big, like people had phones. I don't even think if we had smartphones, it was like not super popular then. Um, and so it's not like I text her and say, hey, you know, do you want to kiss? It was like that kind of thing that you kind of had to set this whole ordeal up. Like uh, we had to make sure, and I think um, one thing you got to know when it comes to, there's certain areas I guess that I'm very bold in. 
and I can be bold and it doesn't bother me and I have confidence. And then there's other areas that I have a really hard time like mustering up the courage and the confidence. And so that's where my brother comes in. So as you get to know me, hopefully over the months that we're together, you'll hear a lot about my brother because he was the courageous one. He was the one that would do everything for me because I was always too scared to do it. And so I had talked about how I liked this girl and uh, usually my brother was one that would just jump to the next thing. So he's like, okay, you guys gonna kiss or what? And I'm just like, well, I, don't, I haven't even told her that I like her. Like, I don't even know what's happening here. I don't even know if we're a thing or relationship because I guess that's how it works when you're younger. If you like somebody, you're just magically together. And it's like, so he's like rushing to the next thing. And so I was like, well, um, I don't know if we're gonna kiss. I don't know if she feels the same way. I don't know how all this is gonna work. And so um, I think he ended up going over there and he was kind of telling her and he's having the exchange for me instead of like me walking over and going, hey, you know, I really like you. Maybe we should kiss. Like my brother's over there. I don't know what he said, um, but he finally goes, goes over to her, talks to her and comes back and he says, okay, here's what's gonna happen. Here's the game plan. So you're going to go behind the house um, and she's gonna meet you back there and then you guys are gonna kiss. I'm like, okay, this is a great game plan. And so uh, I go over there and I'm in fifth grade and my hands are sweaty. My hands get sweaty now, so nothing's changed, but my hands are all sweaty and I'm kind of like nervous. Like I don't even really talk to girls at this age. And so I don't even know how I'm going to kiss this girl, but uh, I meet her around back and it was kind of like one of those flybys because what had happened is like, I don't know if somebody was chasing her. It was one of those things too, you know, when young love happens that, it, it, you kind of like show off in front of the other person. And so she's like getting chased by a sibling. I don't know if it was a sister or a friend. She's getting chased by somebody and she's like running around and then she breaks away from this chase and comes to the little corner that I'm sitting in in the house uh, out back. Like it's kind of like an L shape and I'm in this corner and it's like she, she runs over there and she like stops in front of me and it's like this quick little peck and then she runs away. And you can imagine, obviously, if you know me, um, that relationship never went anywhere and we're obviously not married right now. But it was my first experience and you might sit there and you're like, yeah, that's funny and, and I get that. But you know, this was somebody throughout my childhood, so to speak, until I got to like middle school and I started meeting people my age and people that I went to school with and like elementary, it's like you kind of, uh, maybe this was just me and I know I've got a messed up past, but it's like, you just cycle through because they're all the same people. You're with them for six years. So you're just like, well, I'll date you now. And then when I get tired of you, I'll go to somebody else. But after six years, you're like, I've seen you for six years. I need a, I need a different pool of people to pull from. And so middle school happens and you're like, whoa, I'm getting people from all the different schools and now I'm getting a whole new realm. So I'm like, forget this girl. I don't need the neighborhood anymore. I need some other people. But, but throughout my elementary years, I would always seem to come back to her and our relationship never went anywhere. We were never able to build a relationship where I would even say we were together, like we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We never went out on a date. We never hung out together. The only time I saw this girl was when I went to go uh, play with our neighborhood friend who was the neighbor of this girl. And that's kind of when I would see her. And sometimes she'd come over and talk to us for a little bit, but. But, but we never had a relationship. And, and it's like in my head, I can think about that first kiss and I go, well, why did nothing happen? And I think sometimes what happens is like, we think of our relationships kind of like my first kiss is where we try to build a relationship based off the wrong things. 
I think a big reason this relationship never went anywhere is because I never went up to her and had a conversation. I never talked to her about how I was feeling. I never went to her and said, hey, would you like to hang out? It was like, hey, let's kiss. Let's start all the way on the physical and like, let's just build the relationship off of that. And nothing ever came of it. We tried multiple times, if you wanna say, to maybe build a relationship and nothing ever came of it. Because the only times it seemed like anything happened between us, we were either kissing or hugging and that was it. Like it was all built on a physical foundation. So immediately when we start this relationship, our foundation's off. And I think what happens so many times when it comes to relationships and dating is that we don't build a solid foundation and so we build it off of whether it's the physical, whether it's how they look, whether it's how they act, whatever it is, their personality, and we totally mix up the foundation we're supposed to build a relationship on. And I think it's really hard in our culture because it seems like the world's saying, well, you gotta kind of get your choosing based on how they look. You gotta get, get your significant other based on their political views or, or, or what, whatever you wanna fill in the blank with. And it's hard to decipher through because it's like we want to be people that date well, but so often we're getting this kind of voice apart from the truth that's telling us to build a relationship on the wrong foundation. The source is all off on our relationships and we're not plugged into the only thing that can fulfill us. Because I think so many times we want a relationship to fulfill us, not God. And one thing you'll realize, even when it comes to marriage, is that that person will never be your ultimate fulfillment. God has to be the ultimate fulfillment in your life or you're gonna be disappointed. Shannon is gonna disappoint me. I'm going to disappoint Shannon. It's just the reality. I'll never measure up in perfection. I'll never be exactly what she needs all the time. Only God can do that. And so I don't know what you walk into if you're in this season of dating, but what source are you plugged into? Are, are you hoping that you find somebody else that's gonna magically complete you? Like Michael from the office, when him and Jan start dating, it's like, you complete me. Is that the kind of thought process that you have as you look into dating? Uh, or are you looking to date based on how somebody looks? Or are you gonna date based on where they live? Like, where's your source right now? What are you plugged into? Because I'm telling you, you're going to be disappointed if God is not the most important thing in your life and in the most important thing in their life. And so I challenge you as we, we look at a passage here in a second, that if you are building your life based on the relationship, you're gonna be disappointed. You've gotta start with a solid foundation of your relationship with God being the most important thing and everything else flows from that. And so we're gonna unpack how we, in Genesis chapter nine or 29 here in a second, uh, this idea of your source matters. Your source matters because without a good source, you cannot live out the purpose of your life. And so you can see here, Genesis 29, some of you may be familiar with this passage, but if not, 
Let me read it real quick and I'll give you a little background and different things and we'll wrap it up. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son, and he was named Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord, and then she stopped having children. Okay, you might be sitting here and you go, what does this have anything to do with relationships? So here's a little backstory so you understand the passage we're getting thrown into. Uh, what happens here is is... In Genesis 29, I forget exactly who, I should probably have my Bible open. I believe it's Jacob. Jacob comes and he is kind of met up with his long lost uncle Laban. Laban says, you know, he, they, they get back together, they're reunited. And so he goes to Laban's house to stay with him for a little while. And he says, hey, I don't want you working for me, Jacob, for free. And so um, I wanna make sure that you are getting paid. And so he says, okay, you know what? I, I don't want money, but I want one of your daughters. And her name is Rachel. And he's like, okay, but here's what you've gotta do. You've gotta work for seven years for me. I mean, talk about love. You wanna talk about love for a second. Imagine you find somebody you really like and for seven years you have to work for her or him even before you're able to get to be with them. It's like me saying, oh, I'm, I'm really into Shannon and I want to date Shannon, but I have to work for seven years before I can even begin a relationship with her. This is the situation he's in, but he says, I'll do it. And so he works for seven years. And then what happens on the seventh year is he's supposed to be getting married to Rachel. Laban comes alongside and he says, hey, it's not really kind of our culture to marry away the younger one first. And so um, we need to marry the older one. Um, but what happens is, he didn't communicate that very well. And so when he goes to bed that night, he expects to be in bed with Rachel. He expects to be married to Rachel. And when he wakes up the next morning, he's in bed with Leah because he slipped in Leah because she's the older one. She's gotta be married. And so now he has to work another seven years before he can be with Rachel. And here's what you gotta understand. Why is this so significant, these two? Um, this is the way in my mind that I picture them being described. Okay, so Rachel is your perfect woman. She's got the figure, she's got all the Instagram followers, she's got the perfect body, like she's everybody's dream girl. Everybody's looking to Rachel and they're like, wow, she is the most beautiful person in the entire world. I wish I could be with Rachel. She's, she's captain of the cheerleading squad, whatever you feel like is attractive to you, she's that person. That's who Rachel is, everybody wants her. And then there's her sister who they describe as pretty much, she has a good personality. She's got that going for her. You sit down, you have coffee with her and it's like, wow, that was a really good talk, but that's about it. You know, she, the, the, the exact phrasing it says here, if you want me to read it, it says, verse 17, Leah had pretty eyes, but Rachel was beautiful in every way with a lovely face and a shapely figure. She's got good eyes. You look in those eyes, you get lost in those eyes. But you look at anything else, I don't know. I don't know. 
So this is the situation that Jacob's in now is that he's in bed with the ugly one. This is the one he's in bed with. That's not what he expected. He expected to be in bed with Rachel, the perfect one, the, the one he's always gone after. And that's what he's left with. And so all this happens and then we're brought to this passage. And so you can understand the pain that Leah's dealing with here. Leah's now in a relationship she may have not necessarily even wanted to be in because her husband's or her father's kind of married her off into Jacob's family now. And so number one, she may have not even wanted to be married. And number two, Jacob doesn't love her. Like imagine that in your relationship, that, that you're not even loved by the person you're married to. And so he's more in love with Rachel because he does end up marrying Rachel. And so now he has Leah and Rachel, but he's definitely more in love with Rachel. And so Leah's carrying all this baggage. You can imagine her walking into this relationship. Nobody ever wants me. Nobody ever wants to love me. And then we're thrown into this and it says, you know, when, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So look at this kind of switch here for a second. Leah's the one that's unloved. Rachel's the one he's so in love with. And Leah's the one that gets children. Rachel doesn't. And I think more than anything, what you've got to realize is Leah just wants to be loved by Jacob. Wouldn't we all? I mean, that's what we look to in relationships. We wanna be loved, we wanna be cared for. We wanna be in something that's a mutual thing and not one-sided. And so she's desperately looking for the love from Jacob. And so as she's walking into kind of these childbearing years, she's built her entire life into this relationship. She thinks that's what'll fulfill her. She thinks Jacob's the one that's gonna magically complete her. Jacob's the one, if he would just love me, then our relationship would be amazing. If he would just look at me even, I think I could handle that. She wants this relationship to be everything. And so she starts having kids. And what you gotta notice in that time is that male children were, were the best thing you could have. It's not that, I mean, in some places, girls were, were kind of even kind of left but males, it was like they carry on the family line. They're the ones that, that, that have all the power. And so to give a male child to your husband was a big deal. And so that's why you also gotta see that all four of these people are boys. All four of these children she bears are boys. There's a significance to it. But, but I think what's even more interesting, you can see, I don't know if every Bible has this, but you can look down in the footnotes and each of these boys that she names means something. So the first one, I'll kind of flip back and forth. First one, she says, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. So this first one is kind of like, look, a son. So just imagine just for a second, like this is the pain that she's feeling. I'm not loved, I'm not wanted. I've built everything in this relationship. Can you just look, I've provided you a son. I've given you something that's worth value. Will you love me now? Am I enough for you now that I've provided something for you? And do I measure up to your standards? I may not have the looks, but I've given you something Rachel can't. 
She's desperately seeking his approval and his love with this first child. Look, a son. And that doesn't seem to be enough. So then she has the second son. That's, she says, became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So Simeon means one who hears. You can see how much she's built her life on this relationship because she's asking the question, am I enough? And kind of the second question she's asking is, do you hear me? Do you even hear me, Jacob? I'm not only giving you one son, but I have now given you two sons and you don't seem to like me. You still hate me. Do you even hear me? I would even take just you hearing me to feel like I was in this relationship. And then she has the third son. She then became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. He was named Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. Third one, Levi, means this feeling affection for, and at this point, she just wants connection. Will you just, I don't even care if it's just a hug, will you show any connection to me at all? And I think this is so important as it comes into dating because what happens is she's being so disappointed in this relationship because what she's basing this relationship on up to this point is on Jacob. And Jacob is disappointing her. Jacob's not fulfilling her desires. Jacob's not fulfilling her needs. Jacob's not loving her. And so everything she's building her life on is crumbling because she thought this was gonna be the completion. She thought this was gonna be what I needed in life. And it's disappointing her because it's not reciprocated. And I think we do that so often when it comes to dating relationships is that when we start dating, we expect that person to be our kind of our other half and they'll complete us and then they, they do things that maybe disappoint us. Or they bring in baggage that I, I didn't know that was a struggle for you. And all of a sudden, when we thought this would be our entire life, we've started off the relationship on the wrong foundation. We're plugged into the wrong source. That will never fulfill you. Only God can. And so when you put all your faith, when you put all your trust, when you build your entire life around a relationship, it will disappoint you, just like Leah. Leah built her life around this relationship. She just wanted Jacob to love her. And yet she gives him three sons and she gives him a fourth, but she gives him three sons up to this point. And she's like, will you just love me? same thing can happen in our marriages is that we, we put everything into our marriage and and I've always said that and Shannon uses this a lot too like you know what's going to happen if someday I wake up and there's a freak accident or something happens while I'm sleeping and, and I'm gone like it's not just this magical permanence that we got married and I'm always going to be here And if Shannon puts her entire life into me, she's gonna be extremely disappointed because now I'm not here. And it seems like in our culture, we go, ah, I need to be in a relationship. I really need to date somebody because I just feel empty or I feel like I'm missing something. 
No, more than anything, what you need to think about as you're thinking about dating or you're in a dating relationship is that you need to be running and pursuing after God with everything you've got. And hopefully as you look to the side, you see them running right next to you. Because if not, you'll probably be extremely disappointed. And so then she has the fourth son. Once again, Leah became pregnant and start to see the shift when she says, this relationship won't fulfill me. This relationship can't complete me. She named him Judah for she said, now I will praise the Lord. Okay, I understand. I've given you three sons and up to this point, you have not loved me. And so now all of a sudden, she's starting to realize maybe I'm plugged into the wrong source. Maybe I started to put my entire life into this relationship and that should not be what I'm doing. I should be looking to God as my fulfillment. That should be the most important relationship in my life, not Jacob. And then you start to see this shift in her that she goes, wow, I don't need to think about Jacob. I need to think about God, which Judah means praise. Or I praise God. God, thank you so much just for providing me four sons. Even if Jacob doesn't love me, I still have four sons. The relationship can't be everything to me, so at least I can be all in on you. And so when you start to make that shift in your mind, as you think about dating, as you are dating, as even you may be in marriage and you haven't made that shift yet, is that God has to be the top priority. That's what he says, the greatest commandment. It's not love others, then love God. It's love God, then love others. God has to be the source you're plugged into. God has to be the foundation that everything is built off of because if not, try turning a pyramid upside down and setting it on that end, it's gonna fall over and crumble. And when we do that in relationships, we build it off of the physical, we build it off of how they look, and all of a sudden, we're like, why is this relationship not working out? I thought we were so in love two months ago, six months ago, a year ago, and now all of a sudden, like, what? I don't even know this person. Because we put everything into the relationship instead of saying, God, I want to put everything into this relationship with you. And then I'll look to love somebody like you loved me. And so as you make that shift, then you start to have a mindset like this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So now all of a sudden, I'm not gonna build my life into this relationship. I'm not gonna let this fulfill me. I'm going to let God fulfill me. And so then out of that, I wanna glorify God because I'm so in love with him and I wanna please him and I wanna do what he wants. And so as that transfers into dating, that means you treat the other person to glorify God. You're like, well, that's kind of basic. Well, that means, you know, when you're a guy, you're very clear in your intention when you go to date somebody. You wanna ask somebody out on a date, you as a guy say, hey, I want to ask you out on a date and, and this is a date. This isn't a hangout, this isn't a campfire. Don't learn from my mistakes. This is what I did when, when me and Shannon started. It was like, hey, we're having a bunch, bunch of people over for a fire. Hunter was there and we're like, hey, you know, we're gonna have some people over. You wanna come hang out? It's like then in her mind, she's like, is this a date? Is he interested in me? Or is this just something he wants me to come alongside? If I'm gonna be, God is the most important relationship in my life. I wanna please him. God likes clarity. And so as a man, in order to glorify him, you need to be clear in what you're doing. 
I'm asking you on a date because I'm interested in you. And let's go to, let's go to Olive Garden and I'll pick you up at seven. Okay, that's what this is. As you're also glorifying God, it's, it's also this idea of I'm going to set clear boundaries. That in this relationship, I am saving myself for, for marriage. If, if that's your boundary, that, that I don't want to cross this, this, this boundary in our relationship. And so you set that clear boundary. I'm not going to do that. Or, hey, to not put us in any position where it's going to be difficult for us, I'm going to be out of the house by 8 o'clock. Be very clear in the intentional boundaries that you set. That's glorifying God by glorifying and honoring this other person. And you can go on and on and on with all these different things, but, but once you start to shift to God being your completion, you just want to glorify him. And so that translates to dating. And that translates to being intentional that what this process of dating is for is this idea of working towards marriage. And our culture has kind of lost that because you look back in the Bible times, it was this idea of a courtship. And there really wasn't a whole lot of say in your part. Your parents kind of set everything up. And you married this person. Now we use this period as our courtship is dating. And what the world has kind of done is they say, well, we can date for however long. We don't really need to get married. We can live together before we're married if, if that's... You know, so then we can kind of test this out and see if this works. And God's got a, t a bunch of different things to say when it comes to our relationships, whether it's on purity, whether it's living together. And he says, you know, I want you to glorify and honor me. And so we need to do that as people in relationships, whether it's dating, whether it's in our marriage. And we'll talk more on marriage next week. But, but as it comes to dating, be intentional to use this time to work towards marriage. One of the hardest things is breaking up. But in that period when you're trying to see, okay, is this somebody that I want to be the mother or the father of my children? Is this somebody I wanna spend the rest of my life with? There may be times you have to break up. Break up in a nice way. You don't need to burn bridges. You don't need to be mean about it. But don't drag it on just because you wanna be in a relationship. Is that glorifying God? Dating is such a key period, and if it's used right, it's going to set you up for marriage. And if we don't date well, it only gets uglier when we have to break up. It only gets worse when things go awry because you haven't dated well. You haven't set boundaries. You haven't been intentional. You haven't communicated well. You haven't stayed inside the boundaries that God has said and I've kind of just been dating to date now all of a sudden I don't know what I'm doing anymore and so I challenge you as you start to look at dating if you're in this season that you need to make sure first and foremost you're plugged into the right source that your foundation and the top priority in terms of any relationship is your relationship with God. Because if not, you're gonna be like Leah and you're gonna be frustrated. You're gonna be hurt. You're gonna be sad if you try to put everything in this person. 
And once you make that shift, then out of that love you have for God, you want to glorify him. And it's doing all the right things. What you need to know if you want to say, if there's one thing you can say when it comes to doing the right things in dating is clarity. Just be clear on everything. Be clear on whether this is a date or not. Be clear on your boundaries. Be clear on the way that you are going to love her and appreciate her or love him and appreciate him. Be clear on God being the most important thing in your life. Clarity is so key in dating. And what happens is when there's chaos, when there's confusion, it's a lot easier for the evil one to work. And so out of that glorifying God, you bring clarity in your dating relationships. It's just like this, as I close here, uh, you, you see a TV anywhere, you can see a TV and, and what happens in life is that if I were to go and plug this into, well, I'm not gonna use that first, but let's say I plug it into this extension cord and the extension cord is not plugged in on the other side. This TV is not gonna turn on. There's gonna be no power, there's gonna be no source, there's nothing that can power this thing if it's plugged into a cord that's not plugged into another power source. Or if I tried to plug it into an outlet that's not on, it's not going to do anything. The purpose of this TV is to turn on once it has power so that I can watch something, so that I can see something. And so if I plug it into a source that has no power, it's not gonna do anything but it's the moment that I plug this TV into this extension cord and then I turn it on that now there's power and all of a sudden now it looks like up here and now I can see something. Now I can watch something. It wasn't that the TV just decided it was going to turn on. There was a source in which power came from that made that TV do the purpose it was created for. And we're like this TV. God has to be our power source. And what we're doing is we're plugging in to these outlets that don't work. We're plugging into these cords that don't work. And so we're wondering, why is this relationship not working? Why is there no power in this relationship? Why is this relationship, why does it feel like we're doing all these physical things, but we don't do anything else? And, and then all of a sudden we're, we're like, why, why is this not working? Because at the end of the day, the only power source we can be plugged into that's gonna make a relationship go the way that glorifies God and glorifies that person is if we're plugged into God as our source. And when God becomes our source and the most fulfilling thing in our life, then a relationship will be something that we can enjoy and, and grow in as we grow with God. So I, I challenge you, God has to be your source. And if not, you're gonna be disappointed in any relationship.